0: This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler
1: number one is Dr. Lee Friends. It stinks.
2: What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 145, submission number 052, Coupling, the American version. Coupling aired on NBC from September 25th to October 23rd, 2003, for a total of 10 episodes, six of which were unaired. preface the show by saying this was terrible
1: i remember when this was originally on and i was thinking At- this is awful
2: oh yeah oh when you said that i was thinking did greg see the original yeah yeah because anyway
1: uh, no anyway. no no the original i've never seen the original but okay from what i've heard about the original it's very good it's fantastic And given who wrote the original theories in the UK, I will take the word for it. But as an adaptation here in the
2: US, it was bad. Yeah. So this is actually a story that plays out in sort of two acts. The first act coincides with the rise of BBC America in the US as more than just a... uh, Depository for episodes of Changing Rooms and oh, What yeah. not to Wear.
1: Remember when oh. they would used to air Weakest Link UK episodes on BBC America? Yeah, remember I... when
0: they actually used to show Variety, not just Star Trek The Next Generation?
2: And Law and & Order. Don't forget Law & Order.
1: Isn't Doctor Who, like, the only BBC show they air on BBC America now?
2: No, they, they also air the Graham Norton show.
1: Oh, that's true. They do air the Graham Norton show, and I love the Graham Norton and,
2: show. And, and occasionally they
0: do show darts. Oh, yes. darts. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's very it's fun. Like,
2: I love the 180 calls. My favorite, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was 180.
0: He, yeah, he sort of holds it. Kind of like Andres Cantor, just not as long as go. Oh, I can't do it because my yeah, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. but but yeah, the hundred and eighty is beyond epic when it happens.
1: Does BBC America still
2: air Top Gear UK? Um, yes, and they also they're actually gonna premiere a new, a new series of Top Gear UK soon.
1: Okay, because I think Viceland's airing Top Gear UK now, aren't they? They're airing the U.S. version. Okay, the U.S. version, okay.
2: And when we say the U.S. version, we of course mean the uh, Rutledge Wood, Tanner Faust, Adam Ferrara version, not the uh, Top Gear America, which is being produced by the BBC for Motor Trend.
0: Yeah, definitely inferior version.
2: The inferior version, yes. So, BBC America started airing a comedy block with three sitcoms. Manchild, The Office, and Coupling. And Coupling, when it first aired in the UK, was sort of billed as The British Friends meets Sex of the City meets Seinfeld. I can see it. yeah, we have the story of uh, two people who meet and fall in love and start in a relationship and along the way is their exes and their best friends. and it's even explained as such in the first episode by uh, one of the characters played by Sarah Alexander, in the relation. I would hope. Yeah. your ex, my ex. Your best friend, my best friend. Every good relationship has to have baggage. We might as well invite ours to dinner. And that went on for four seasons. It was one of the most popular shows on BBC America. They've released all four seasons of the original coupling on DVD. I have all four seasons. And okay. I love this show. I really, really do. And around this time... Something else was happening on our side of the Atlantic. NBC was getting down to the end of Friends. It has already lost Seinfeld, and they've found a suitable replacement for Seinfeld in Will and Grace. They thought, but they've yet to find a suitable replacement for Friends. They're about to end Friends. They have nothing. To replace it with. So they sort of came up with two contingency plans. The first one was obviously the spin-off, Future Installment, Joey. And the second was something that Ben Silverman wanted to do ever since he first saw the show on BBC America. An American version of Coupling. Now he's already seen three seasons of the show in the UK, and he wants an American version, and he thinks that this is going to be NBC's next big hit. Remember, this is around the time Ben Silverman, well, this is actually right before the time Ben Silverman was actually appointed to head NBC, because he still has his production company, Reveille Productions, which was by that time, sort of in a deal with Universal Television. This was before it was bought out by what is now End of All Shine North America. Ben Silverman hooked up with series creator, Greg, the name sounds familiar, Stephen Moffat. Oh, yes. And if you don't know who Stephen Moffat is, what podcast are you even listening to?
1: Well, of course he would go on to be the showrunner in the early 2010s of Doctor Who up until about 2017, I believe. Yep. And And then, uh, of course, co-created with Mark Gatiss, Sherlock. And, of course, we all know the star of Sherlock has gone on to do bigger and better things since. Yes. I'm talking about Benedict
2: Cumberbatch, if you didn't know. Uh, yeah. By the way, fun fact, Stephen Moffat also wrote The Curse of Fatal Death for Comic Relief, which is going on as we record this. What? This year's Comic Relief is going on as we record this. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I... happening
1: this weekend, yeah. Okay, I thought you were saying The Curse of Fatal Death was airing right now. I'm like, what? No, no, Comic Relief, Comic Relief. Okay, Comic Relief UK, obviously.
2: Or, oh, sorry, The Curse of Fatal Death.
1: Yeah, we want to be be technical.
2: Oh, yeah. Last thing we want is a bunch of sci-fi geeks like myself giving me the business.
1: You didn't know the real title of Curse of the Fatal Death. That one comic relief special
2: from 1999. By the way, that is a future entry, just so everybody's clear.
1: Rowan Atkinson as the doctor, people. Yes. Yes.
2: Okay, And a whole whole bunch of other people playing the Doctor. (laughs) Including Joanna Lumley.
1: Oh yeah, Joanna Lumley.
2: Yeah. So we have Ben Silverman getting up with Stephen Moffat to adapt Coupling. He's on board. And Ben Silverman starts to uh, make phone calls to Beep Sutton to talk about how they're going to do the show.
0: Well, I, I feel compelled to mention this. Thief Sutton? Well, guess what? For the second time in two weeks, we're making a reference to Bob. Because he was a producer on Bob. Oh. Maybe his reputation precedes him or something like that. And also, in addition to Bob, he was a writer and producer on on Rob, the, the Rob Schneider sitcom that didn't last terribly long either, I sense a pattern
1: oh hold on, you mean upside down exclamation point Rob exclamation point because that was the title of the show
0: I don't care how much excessive punctuation you put in there it's still a bad show
1: oh it is, but I want to be technical you, people, it's upside down exclamation point, Rob exclamation point oh my gosh
2: Now, normally, when you're taking an idea from another country, you leave a little bit of room to uh, sort of wiggle your own set of creative vibes into it. But this is NBC. Friends is about to run out the clock, and they need a hit now. So what do they do? They don't just buy the rights to the format. They buy the rights to the scripts. By now, it would be 22 episodes, all of them written by Stephen Moffat, and they would have to come up with an American show about this. So, Beef Sutton begins to develop the show, and takes the scripts, and basically Americanizes them. And by now, NBC has given Coupling a 13-episode order after viewing the pilot... The pilot episode was actually one of the episodes that was recorded off of a Moppet script. It featured, and uh, if you want to watch the original series, the episode was Inferno. Um, here's a brief synopsis. Steve is worried that Steve, the uh, main character, is worried that his girlfriend Susan is cleaning his apartment and finding his uh video collection wink wink yeah that turns into an awkward dinner conversation which basically turns into steve trying to explain what inferno is by the way inferno is not the full title the full title of the video and kids you better cover your ears for about 10 seconds Lesbian Spank Inferno. Woo-hoo! <laughs>
0: Jeez. I, I, I didn't think Greg would do it, but he did. Okay.
1: You know why I said the woo! Do I really need to ask why I did that?
2: No, move no. on. <laughs> Moving on. I'm going to go over the entire cast of the pilot right now. We have Jay Harrington as Steve. He would be known for being Ted in Better Off Ted and Deacon K in SWAT. Melissa George as Susan.
0: And we're going to talk about her eventually because she's on one of Greg's favorite submissions of all time. The Slap.
1: Oh, yes. The Slap. (laughs) The Slap. Because as we all know, we're going to talk one day about Spock slapping the (laughs) c*** out of a kid. He's not
2: wrong. And it's going to be hilarious. And then, as Steve's ex, Jane, we have Lindsay Price, who of course is the wife of noted celebrity chef Curtis Stone, and is awesome. Okay. She's known as Victory Board on Lipstick Jungle. She played Janet Sazna on 90210, and she was on that one episode of Celebrity Family Feud competing against Curtis Stone. And by 90210,
1: oh, you mean the CW reboot?
2: Uh, no, I mean the original Fox version.
1: Oh, I thought you meant the CW reboot. I'm sorry.
2: No. Okay. We have Colin Ferguson, who you know from Eureka, obviously, and is also the current Maytag man.
0: Really? Okay.
2: hmm Emily Rutherford as Susan's best friend Sally, who is known as New Christine in The New Adventures of Old Christine. And, and, and Greg's favorite mop-top, Brecken Meyer. As oh. Jeff, Steve's best friend. How
1: many entries are we going to be talking about Breck and Meyer when it's all said and done on this podcast? At least a dozen. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, there's
0: there's a lot, yes.
2: There is, indeed, a lot. Because we already talked about him in Where's Rodney. We did. He was awesome in Where's Rodney. Okay, so they watched the pilot, they committed to the episodes... But then, oh god, this is a case of network meddling gone completely berserk. Because NBC had to cut the episodes from the original running time of like 25 or 26 minutes to about 21 to account for commercials. And then they went over the original scripts and saw what the writers did to the original scripts and fired all the writers
1: Oh, that turned out well.
2: Oh, yeah, that totally turned out well. And then they replaced and Meyer, Melissa George, and Emily Rutherford with three more people. Oh, be, no. Yeah. There would be Christopher Moynihan to play Jeff. Of course, he would go on to be on Man Up with uh, some other guy.
1: Oh, Sonya- my God, Man Up. Oh, I forgot yeah. about Man Up. Totally forgot about that show. What was that even about? I'm gonna look it up. Oh god, I don't know. Oh hold up. This is gonna be more fun than talking about this show. The series revolves around the lives of three modern men who try to get in touch with their inner tough guys and redefine what it means to be a real
2: man. Yep, that's all we need to hear about it on this episode. We'll come back to it on a future episode. Trust me. Terry Polo was on this! Yeah. Continue. Okay. So, we also have Sonia Walger replacing Emily Rutherford as Sally. And of course, uh, Sonia Walger would go on to play Penny Whitmore on Lost. Ironically, a British actress. And... I'm probably the only one of the six to have, like, a career both before and after this show. Rena Sofer, who plays Susan. And, of course, we've talked about Rena Sofer twice on this show. Oh, yes. Once on Blind Justice and another on Saved by the Bell, Hawaiian style.
1: Oh, yeah. Because Zach being trash tried to hit on her.
2: Yeah. Uh, you no,
1: know, Chico. You know, I know it's been like that. What six months after that episode? I still can't stand the Royal Pacific Hotel.
2: Nobody can stand the Royal Pacific Hotel. I'm ah!
1: I'm, gl- I'm glad Zach and his gang. He he embarrassed them. I'm sure they went completely out of business after they tried to mess with Kelly's grandfather's hotel. And the lesson of that that episode, don't you dare, don't you dare, F with Dean Jones.
2: He will beep your beep. (laughs) Okay, so the cast was in place, and we had episodes. Granted, there were still a few of them that would actually be written for the American audience, but the ones that we started out with are... Original episodes from Stephen and Moffat.
1: And I'm sure they're probably somewhat good because they're based on Stephen Moffat scripts.
2: Oh, yeah. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, delivery. Oh, yeah. So, enough talking about and stroking Steve Moffat. Let's talk about the episodes. Yes, this was canceled midway, but they all aired. They did all air overseas. And the show was cancelled before the 13-episode order was actually completed, so... Yeah. Take that for what it's worth. Episode 1. The Right One. Steve tries to dump Jane after meeting Jeff's ex, Susan, whose own former flame is eyeing her best friend. Now, this was adapted from the original episode... Blushed, where Steve is trying to break up with Jane when he meets Susan, who is trying to break up with Patrick, and their best friends are in tow, and it all ends in Dinner, where Steve is supposed to meet Susan and ends up running into everyone else, and of course, like the original British... This one ends with Susan flashing everyone.
0: Woo! There we go.
2: Thank you. Episode 2. Size Matters. Based uh, on the... Uh...
1: <laughs>
0: Just get out of your system, Greg. Get, get,
2: get, get... Go
1: ahead, go ahead.
2: <laughs> Why does size matter, Chico? You don't need to know. <laughs> Based on the original episode of the same name, Susan offers to cook for Steve, but nearly chokes on the date after rumors of Patrick's sexier attributes come up, and something in her bedside drawer refuses to be kept down. Meanwhile, Sally uses Jeff to size up Patrick before she agrees to go out with him, and Jane hits on a gay guy to get a rise out of her own ex. Yeah. It... I am Yeah, Steve's trying to go on a proper first date with Susan, and she offers to cook. As explained by Sally, it basically says, Come and spend the night with me means let's have sex. I'll cook means let's have sex, and I'll cater. Once Patrick and Jeff are trying to coach Steve into the first date... The date goes off that hitch until Jeff gets a look at Patrick and Steve gets a look at Susan's night drawer. Let's just say it's battery operated.
0: No, that was last month we talked about Buzz.
2: <laughs> yeah, now you get it. An interesting name from this episode, is Paul Satterfield. He was in Savannah as a regular. He played the gay guy that Jane was trying to hit on. Episode 3, Sex, Death, and Nudity. This is where we are introduced to the Giggle Loop. The Giggle Loop basically is laughing at an inappropriate time. And the more you hold it in, the worse it gets. Now, keep that in mind as I explain this. Based on the original episode by the same name, Jane's aunt's funeral turns into a group outing once Susan, Sally, Patrick, and Jeff realize that she's asked Steve to attend as her date. But Jeff has a hard time remaining respectful after getting a highly inappropriate phrase stuck in his head. It's more like a highly inappropriate word. He gets nipples stuck in his head. Oh. Yeah. And this is how he explains the giggle loop, where he has a big interview at work, and he's trying to not say an accidental word. And once that accidental word pops in his head, he starts getting the giggles. And then, at the funeral, comes a moment of silence for Jane's aunt. And during that moment of silence, the guys try desperately not to laugh. And it works. But Jeff ends up saying nipple. Which is actually better than what happened in the original episode, where... Jane actually has a laugh attack in the middle of the moment of silence. So why didn't they just do the laugh attack? I don't... Did they think because that was already done
1: on Mary Tyler Moore in America, they think, oh, they're just ripping off Mary Tyler Moore?
2: Probably. Because, jeez. Episode four. And this was actually the first originally written episode for the American version. It's called... Oh, oh wow, it took
1: four episodes.
2: Again. It took four episodes for them to write an original story.
1: So this it... is really
2: crap, this episode. Uh, well, it was... You know what? Give them credit for actually You know, doing a half-assed, decent job of the plot. And here it is. The politics... Paying for dates vexes Steve and Susan's sex life, which gets even trickier after their friends weigh in on how to settle up in the bedroom. Meanwhile, Patrick realizes that his too-cool car makes him look like a loser, and Jane takes on her stalker for not paying her her enough attention. You know what? This is where I just throw all uh, subtext out the window here, because I actually saw this episode. When I first stared. I was a, I was a glutton for punishment. What can I say? Um, whenever Steve pays for a date, Susan outperforms him. And whenever Susan pays for a date, Steve outperforms her. And then Patrick buys a foreign car, which Jeff calls compensating. And when I say compensating, you know what I'm talking about. He buys a small penis car, Greg.
0: Everything in this show has a sexual vibe. Yes. There's a sexual undertone to every single thing I've noticed.
2: Yes. Yes, there is. Hey, I just
1: found out who wrote this episode. Danny Zucker. Yes, the executive producer of Modern Family wrote this episode.
2: Yeah. You know who plays Jane Stalker? Who? Oh. Jim Rash from Community.
1: Oh my god.
2: <laughs> uh yeah, this was this was something.
1: it yeah, this has been something. So the first original episode was written by Danny Zucker, man. Yep.
2: <laughs> and, and well,
1: at least he went on to bigger and better
2: things. Yes, he did.
1: And okay, I'll, g- I'll give Danny's. You know what, Danny, you came a long way from this show.
2: Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. This was the first episode based on an original script, and it is also the last episode based on an original script. Because that Friday, NBC pulled the plug.
1: Oh, good. At least Jeff Zucker had somewhat of common sense. He was running NBC by this point, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah, he probably finally had some common sense, which is not saying much for Jeff Zucker. He said, this show is such crap. I'm just going to be done with this
2: like nope <laughs> uh, like, just, just imagine for a moment Mike is like actually I have a quote from Jeff Zucker are you ready for oh, this oh
1: great oh man my, fa- my favorite human being in the world Jeff Zucker my it absolute just, I... favorite human being on planet Earth because yeah. he's just such a great great stellar human being Jeff Zucker
2: he's rubbish He's a piece of
0: Tell us how you really feel, Greg.
2: Yeah. uh, That episode aired on October 23rd. On October 31st, NBC canceled the show. And now I'm quoting Jeff Zucker. The show just sucked.
1: Man, if only he admitted that about 95% of the shows he greenlit. Episode 5. Present oh yeah. Tense. Oh yeah, there's still some unaired episodes. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, cuz uh, cuz again, this show aired in its entirety overseas. So the
1: UK got all the episodes far version. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sure that wasn't as as weird at all for the nope. Brits. Nope. <laughs> Because I mean, they did get the whole run of of the nut house. Yep. Okay. Episode five. What was it? What's it called? Oh, present tense. Yes,
2: present tense.
1: Well, that's an ironic title.
2: Ha ha ha. Yeah. Since he isn't Jewish, Steve is lost when Susan invites him over for Yom Kippur leftovers.
1: Oh, that's asks- f- this. <laughs>
2: Well, well, this was well. This was the episode that was supposed to air before it ca- uh, canceled, and NBC wisely pulled it. Anyway, Steve asks Patrick and Jeff whether or not you're supposed to give presents on that holiday, which leads to a misunderstanding with Sally, who is eavesdropping. Meanwhile, Jane decides to take up charity work to prove to the others that she's a giving person. The thing you have to understand about Jane... She's a terrible person.
1: Oh, really? She's a terrible person?
2: She is a terrible person.
1: Oh, how so?
2: She's completely self-centered. And you remember the last episode? She she gave what for to her stalker because she wasn't being paid enough attention to. And this episode was written by Brad Walsh and Paul Corrigan. Brad Walsh, who would go on to... I have no idea what Brad Walsh would go on he's, to. He's hes not that other Brad Walsh. No. And Paul Corrigan, who was a writer and producer of Modern Family. A lot of people from this show end up on, ended up working on Modern Family.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Danny Zucker was like, you know what, guys? You went through hell with me on this show. I'm going to try to make it up to you guys. And he did, and they probably all made a lot of money on Modern Family. And it's getting all those sweet, sweet Peacock streaming royalties now.
2: Oh, yeah. Next is Episode 6, A Foreign Affair. Based on the, yeah, based on the original episode, the girl with two breasts <laughs> That was the name of the episode. What okay. kind
1: of stupid title is that? It
2: they would make Steven sense Malton. if you actually I hope you watched didn't it. write it. He incredible. did write Okay. He did write yeah, the Okay, episode. C- can I can I talk about the episode? Okay, good. Okay. Jeff falls for a girl who happens to not speak a word of English, and she falls in love with him, despite not speaking a word of Russian. But their communication breakdown causes misunderstandings for both when she mistakenly assumes that he's interested in her interpreter. And he mistakenly confuses her name with one which means something else in her country. When this episode was done in the UK, it was called the girl with two breasts. And because the girl was Israeli, Jeff thought that her name was the Hebrew word for breasts. Hava and it was actually...
0: Nagila. Hava Nagila. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
2: Oh, jeez. And the whole sort of episode plays out in kind of sort of, let's see what he's saying, and now let's see what she's saying. But when it's done in the U.K., They did the scene where they're talking one time through. Then they rewound it and did the scene with the following caption. Now let's play that scene again, but this time pretend you're Israeli. Yeah. And uh, Noah Tishby played the girl in this scene, and Iris Barb was her interpreter. Episode 7, Nipple Effect.
1: Even though on Wikipedia it's episode 10, but considering that these episodes didn't air, we're We're just going to say. Yeah,
2: we're going by production code.
1: We're going by production order from here on out. Yes. Oh, and by the way, do you know who wrote this episode? J.J. Philbin. And for those who don't know, J.J. Philbin is the daughter of Regis and Joy Philbin. Yep. Mike, I thought you'd be impressed by that.
0: I feel like we should apologize to the Philbin family.
1: Oh, by the way, another fact. J.J. Philbin also was the executive producer on Future Installment, Single Parents. Yep. With Aaron Killam and Brad Garrett.
2: Yep. Anyway, this episode, Patrick wants to break up with his date because she is too hard on his nipples.
0: Good heavens! Where does it stop with these sexual references?
2: Sally seeks to uncover the mystery of why her date is insistent on her not wearing makeup. And Steve and Susan decide to start things anew by hooking up as if it were the first time. And Jane picks a bad time to chat up with her coworker. And this episode has a whole lot of guests on it. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Is there anything that's going to blow me away?
2: Sarah Shahi from The L Word, Barely Legal, Person of Interest, and The Rookie.
1: Oh, the, oh, she's on The Rookie with Nathan Filling. Okay.
2: And then there's Julie Benz, who's on Future Entry, Hi Honey, I'm Home.
1: Oh, Julie Benz. Oh.
0: She was a thing for a while.
2: Yeah. And then there's Aaron Cardillo, who uh, is on that Arby's commercial with Wendell B. Middlebrooks.
1: I bet John Stewart loved that commercial. You know how much he loves Arby's. What about and Wendell Middlebrooks?
2: Wendell Middlebrooks was in uh, Sweet Life with Aaron Cardillo.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And then there's a name that I know.
1: Who is it?
2: As Big Danny Sean C.W. Johnson.
1: Who would that be?
2: And I recognize him because six words: Carter Grayson, Lightspeed Rescue, Red Ranger.
1: Oh, okay.
2: I'm pretty sure he was also a corpse on CSI Miami. Anyway,
1: he probably was. So what's next?
2: Next is dressed. Dressed. Okay. Based on, yeah, based on the uh, based on the episode of the same name in the UK, Jane commits a fashion faux pas while on a first date. Patrick lies to a buddy by claiming he's married, and then tries to get Susan to play his wife. Meanwhile, Susan and Jeff mix business and pleasure at his place.
1: Well, business and pleasure, they never mix.
0: Hey, what do you know? More sex. Yeah. Sex, sex,
2: sex, sex, sex. Sex, sex, sexy sex, boner, boner, uterus. And, um, yeah, Jane basically arrives at a fancy dress party, not suited for the for the uh occasion and patrick lies to a buddy about susan being his wife and in the original british version it ends the original british version ends with steve proposing to susan so yeah so th- so there's that episode two more guys two more episode nine object lessons Susan has it out with Steve for failing to pick up some of his belongings from Jane's apartment, months after their breakup. And when a bevy of chiseled firemen invade the gang's bar, Jeff decides to prove that Patrick, that women, don't notice him by showing the gals drooling over the firefighters his juggling pin-chair balancing talents. This is totally, oh god. So, Chiseled Fireman in the bar, and Susan and Steve have their very first fight about... Well, what did they have
1: their first fight about?
2: Oh, they have their very first fight about Steve's stuff being in Jane's apartment. It was done better on an episode of How I Met Your Mother, called Stuff.
1: Yeah. Basically, anything on this show... How I bet your mother did it way better.
2: And the final episode before oh. NBC... Oh, my God. Before NBC mercifully pulled the plug, Holiday. For Christmas, Patrick's sympathy plea over how he got one to spend the holiday with him makes Sally and Jane want to spend it with him. Meanwhile, Jeff thinks he's found true love in a hot bartender by the name of Molly, but little does he know what she has in store for him. And Susan wants to take things to the next step with Steve and meet his folks. To his chagrin. And Elaine Hendricks plays the hot bartender, by the way.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, she had a number of roles. Yep. She played Agent 66 in. And this is definitely going to be something we're going to talk about in the future. Oh, is this the Get Smart? The Get Smart revival on Fox back in 95, yes.
1: Oh my god, with Andy Dick. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes.
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: You've been adequately warned.
2: Yep. And that is Coupling.
1: Oh, thank god.
2: Oh, that
0: that was painful, even though it was only, what, 10, 11 episodes?
2: 10 episodes. They ordered 13, they only got 10. And it seems like... Stephen Moffat. Well, actually, before we go over how Stephen Moffat got the last laugh, let's see just again how far-reaching the suck on this show actually went through. Oh, because uh... the original, the original show is built as it's a show about nothing but sex. So hearing this, a number of NBC affiliates two NBC affiliates, refused to air the show outright. That, of course, being KSL in Salt Lake City. Oh, gee, I I wonder why the station
1: in Salt Lake City had a problem with this.
2: Probably because it's owned by the Church of Latter-day Saints. That's the joke.
0: Hashtag Mormon irony. We're very
1: sorry, Ken.
2: Jeez! And the second station was WNDU in South Bend, Indiana.
1: Oh, let me guess—it's because of the Catholics. We're sorry. We're very sorry, Pete bootages
2: mm-hmm. This
0: was a while before Mike Pence was uh, governor. I would guess.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Right. I thought you might have a valid reason right there with. Uh, with, with Governor Mike.
2: Well, if anybody had anything to say about the show, it would be the creator, Stephen Moppet. He went on record as saying that the show's failure was entirely to blame on NBC's intervention during the creative and production process. Because, yeah.
1: Because it was bad.
2: In fact, in 2007, he said... The network beeped it up because they intervened endlessly. Now, Stephen Moppet would have the last laugh twice. Because he turns the experience putting coupling on coupling on the air in the US into another show. You guys remember episodes on Showtime?
1: Oh yes, because that's based on his experiences with the US version of coupling. Yeah. And who was the star of
2: episodes? Matt LeBlanc. Yes. <laughs> so it all, it all goes back to Friends, doesn't it?
1: It all goes back to Friends.
2: Well, actually, he didn't create it so much as it was created by... Uh, it was created it was cre- by
1: David Crane.
2: David Crane and Jeffrey Cleric. But you have to imagine that they sort of took Stevens they were thinking about Stephen Moffat's story. It is inspired
1: by Stephen Moffat's story. So yeah. The experience Stephen Moffat had on this version was the basis of a more
2: successful sitcom on Showtime. But then there was another sort of swipe slash mic drop. And it happened on the episode, the the season 4 episode bedtime of coupling.
1: The UK version.
2: The the UK version. And I'll just do a brief synopsis here. Where in reality and fantasy, Sally and Patrick match wits as he seeks to spend the night at home and she looks to entice him to stay over. Again. Oliver, who has replaced Jeff as the walking punchline by this point, a company's Jane's Sally's Dinner Party, which features an unexpected musical entertainment. And you know what one of the most interesting thing is? I know I completely uh, included this episode by mistake, but you know what one of the most interesting things is? The shirt that Oliver is wearing says, Bring Back Doctor Who.
1: Because it would have been just before the show came back.
2: Yes, with Russell T. Davies. But the ultimate clapback mic drop came an episode before on an episode called Nightlines. Here's the summary. Late at night and a phone call that will not die. You know, sometimes you can't get someone off the phone. There are too many people on this phone call. One of them isn't really there. Meanwhile, Susan is worried she's turning into an emotional tent. She and Steve are now well and truly an item. So why why is he dreaming about being executed? By a method never before seen on British television, and chased by a fetus with an axe. Okay. Here is where Stephen Moffat gets his mic drop in. This is the quote. Because Jane has just walked through Steve's door again, and Steve says point blank Jane, could you stop doing this? Could you stop just wandering through my front door? Because this is not, I repeat, not an American sitcom!
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and meanwhile, every fan of coupling on both sides of the Atlantic are like, I see what you did there. That's basically the coda of this whole thing. Coupling was a really good idea in the UK with a really talented cast, really talented writers, and just the best of what was out there. And when it came to America on BBC America, we saw it as the best of what was out there. But when NBC tried their hand at it in 2003, it was just a thing on TV.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we never have to talk about this ever again. Let's just forget we ever said anything about it.
0: I can agree to that.
2: I'll agree with that.
1: This has to be one of the worst shows we've ever covered on this podcast.
2: Oh. It gets worse.
1: It does? How does
0: it get worse?
2: We'll find out next time. But in the meantime, you can visit us at itwasathingontv.com. Where you can find all of our previous episodes, not to mention our social media feeds at It Was a Thing on TV. And of course, links to our weekly drops over at our friends at place to be nation. Greg, what oh, we got this week?
1: Okay. At the Place to Be Nation pop experience this week. We've got the episodes that we did last week which would include the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and the Golden Palace. Oh, those were fun episodes.
0: Those really were great episodes, yes.
1: And we learned so much that don't ever fool Rowdy Rowdy Piper about a bagpipes being a vacuum cleaner.
2: Yep. He's smarter than you think.
1: Yeah, he may wear a skirt. But he oh wait, I'm sorry, it's a kilt. But he's he knows bagpipes when he sees it.
2: Yes, he does.
1: Yes, he does. But uh, next time on It Was a Thing on TV, we continue our look at shows that were adapted in another country. And we'll do the reverse for this episode. And Mike
0: it, it it pains me.
1: I know it this really pains does you.
0: pain. It really does pain me, but yeah, uh, some things get lost in translation. Maybe kind of, sort of like this previous episode, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, but well, you'll find out more about that in our next episode of "It Was the Thing on TV." Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on later this week. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know how we're gonna end this. <laughs> oh, I know, how, Mike. Steven. 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 Stephen. Steven. Stephen. Stephen. Stephen.
0: Steven. 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 Stephen. Oh Steven. Steven. Stephen. Oh Stephen.